Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Holy cow. It's our first service back. It's so freaking good to see you. Thank you for coming. Did you guys, you saw all the snow out there and you still made it through? It's so, so impressive. It's MLKJ Day weekend. It's NFL playoffs. I'm sure some of you are concerned about that. It's, holy cow. Um, my daughter, Ellie Grace, she's not in college, right there. Uh, last night at 11.56 p.m., Marked the 15th anniversary of her life in this world. So happy birthday, Ellie, yesterday. The real MLKJ birthday. She shares it with him. It's on the 15th. So when that's on Monday, it aligns truthfully, and it's not one of these lies. Uh, Anyone do anything fun in the snow yesterday, this weekend? Shoveled. Keevan got a snowblower, you guys. Keevan got a snowblower, and he sent us a video of him doing the CCF driveway. And he's just like drinking lemonade, doing the. Um, otherwise, Keev and Komar uh, use a lot of back muscle to shovel it all. But uh, I house, CCF house, somewhere else, snow blowing. Um, somebody else raised a hand. Fun, fun stuff. What'd you do there, freshman boy? Just studying economics. Okay. Well, I'm going to say it's safe that aside from Mahomes there and the back row crew over here, uh, no one else went out to trushes in the country. But he has like nine acres, ten acres, the pond, some trees in the back, uh, and he has a Jeep, and Trush is a genius, so he tied a rope to the hitch on his Jeep, and he affixed the rope to a sled on the other end, and then he said, hey kids, want to go for a ride? And uh, Reed and I were like, hold on kids, we're going for a ride. Uh, it was freaking awesome. <laughs> you could go like 35 miles an hour, and you're just, it's like skiing, but you're just like sitting on a sled. And when you crash, it doesn't matter. It's just snow. It was freaking awesome. Um, Max and Graham, after everyone else was done, like we were taking turns, people were going through, just uh, the, the moms got in. Everybody's uh, there except Trush. He's just driving the Jeep where, right where he wants to be. And uh, when it got to the end, then uh, Max and Graham, the, the two tiniest ones, went like 12 more times, just them. And every time, like, Trush and I, were, I was like, Trush, kill them. Throw them higher throw them harder hey run them into a tree or something like lovingly into a tree but he because like there's a worn path by the end it was like a nascar track or whatever uh but then if you swing them out into the puffy stuff they go from like sitting there cruising 30 miles an hour on their little slick track to the snow (laughs) it looks like a snowblower is just going over the top of them you can't see the kids we weren't sure like when they fell off or not and you can whip them out like you're skiing like outside the wake and they're cruising out there and Max and Graham are so tiny. You just see their bodies and just limbs flying everywhere. They have ski goggles on and hats are, Max lost his Jordan hat in the snow somewhere. And they're, they're just covered and they're like, do it again faster. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay, one time, Reed, so Reed and I, were, we, we took a ride together. We took a couple. One time we were out there and Crush didn't slow down at the end like our usual slows down. So we hit some like f- uh, fat new snow, still going very fast at the end of a, a long ride when you're like already covered in snow. And we're just like lean back, like give it to us, go faster! And I, I had to bail intentionally before we stopped because my mouth was wide open, I just couldn't stop screaming. But the snow was just going straight into my mouth, hitting my saliva, f- turning into ice. It was totally packed, I couldn't breathe for like 10 seconds, I was like, and I was like, how long is it? Much longer is it? So I had to like bail and spit it out. Uh, you guys are, 
Come on, have some fun. Come on. My goodness. I really am glad that you came here. Um, you, you got here through that snow. Not as fun as I did, but um, thank you. It's really good to see you. Um, those were all uh, introductory stories, and now the sermon begins in earnest with this story. It's a Corey story. Uh, my best friend in the world is Corey Matthew Crandall. He lives down in Blue Springs. Really, it's Reed now, but I've always called Corey my best friend, so uh, we'll stick with that. We grew up together. We played like flag football when we were tiny. Uh, knew each other all through. Went to junior high and high school together. Uh, and then we both came to Truman. And when we came to Truman, uh, we roomed together the freshman, sophomore year. Uh, Mohall, 238. They changed the room numbers. Now it's like four digits, right? But we were on the southeast corner, that little part that juts out by the um, by the parking lot. Uh, we lived in there with another guy, Captain. Um, but Corey and I uh, were super tight in high school. We spent like all day, every day together. We had all the same classes. He came over in the mornings at like 5.30 a.m. to eat breakfast with my family, and then we drove to this calculus physics thing before school at UMKC, and then we went to school, had all the same classes, we played all the same sports, had practice and weight training, and then he would come over to my house and we would study, and then at like 11, he would be like, well, I'll see you in a couple hours, and he'd go home, and we did like every day our senior year, we spent like uh, almost literally every waking second together. Um, and uh, I love this man. He's Corey is he's he's incredible. Corey, um, at this point is like he's archetypal in my mind. Like I just I see people do things or say things or like are a certain way, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's that's like Coreyish. That's the the Corey factor coming out in um in people. He's like he's just like he's pretty, he's kind of dorky. Like he I don't know, he tucks his shirt in and is just always like very straight laced, uh, very like hardworking, disciplined just always wants to be super clear about everything and is willing to like talk about and ask anything and hear anything, whatever. Um, and uh, so this is Corey. We um, spend all our time together, um, including uh, going to uh, FCA at school. I, I was like the something, an officer with that. And uh, Corey uh, wasn't a Christian. He grew up in a house in Buckner, Missouri, right there by Fort Osage. Anybody from Fort Osage? That's right. That's right. That's just us and Tab, my wife back there. Um, so he grew up in Buckner um, with great parents, great family. Uh, they just they w they weren't Christians. They they didn't go to church. They just wasn't in like the uh, background of of their family. And uh, so Corey's like great guy, moral guy, upstanding, ethical guy, like wanting to figure out, understand what's going on, kind of guy. But also a you know sixteen year old uh, boy guy. And uh, so, uh, Corey, uh, spending a ton of time with my family, um, who are, like, very energetic Christians, like, every morning at breakfast, we read a devotional thing, Keys for Kids, anybody? Okay. Uh, read a devotional, we'd have, like, prayer after dinner at night, and um, my mom in particular is just always looking for any possible moment to just interject Jesus into anything that's happening. And uh, my family is, is incredible and awesome. Uh, but Corey, like, spending a lot of time uh, with our family um, and coming with me to FCA, and uh, he, he would just, like, he loved to just grill me, ask me anything. He's like, well, so I was reading in the Bible last night, and uh, what, what about this? Like, what in the world does this mean? And uh, I, I'm 17 years old. I don't, I was pretty smart, but I, I used to be smart. Um, but uh, I didn't know everything, you know, so I, we would have conversations, and talk to him and he knew me really well like better than anybody else knew me so he could both see 
that I was like honest and genuine, but also like had a pharisaical streak because it's really hard to live just 100% honest and genuine, especially if you're 16, 17 years old trying to figure out what in the world is going on in the world and what you're doing in it. Uh, and so we, we just had um, this kind of relationship where we both um, see each other, know each other. And uh, when we came to school then uh, here at Truman, um, we roomed together. He was a wrestler. He was an undefeated state champ as a high school senior. And he wrestled at Truman. He tried to talk me into it. I was like, dude, I'm not. That's 5 a.m. practices. I don't, I'm not even a wrestler. I don't know how to wrestle. So no, I'm not going to wrestle in college. And uh, he was like, all right. So he would wake up at 5 a.m. every day and... Then he would come back in the middle of the afternoon and wake me up to make my last class or whatever. And uh, but we so we, we lived together, continue, continued to spend tons of time together. He got me into my first CCF small group. He was like, "Dude, I heard about this thing," and we like went to the CCF welcome barbecue or something. And he's like, "Come on, let's figure out which small group to sign up for." And I was like, "Okay." And uh, so Corey's not a Christian, but he's like, we got into um, a small group Bible study at, at CCF. We went every week, um, studied the Bible. He continued his same like. Uh, rigorous, honest, searching kind of track um, in the middle of being a busy uh, collegiate athlete and student and all of that. Uh, but we, we, we went through, I think it was the end of freshman year, I guess. So we'd spent like almost uh, a whole year here together. And uh, we would do stupid, like we boxed in the sunken garden. We shared a birthday. We had the same birthday, March 23rd. So we would like box in the sunken garden on our birthday and we would spend like uh, late nights doing whatever things together. Um, and then at some point he talked me into, he's like, dude, I got to like do extra workouts because all I have right now is practice all day for wrestling and weight training and cutting weight and whatever. So he talked me into like waking up at 530 in the morning and going into the Mohall. It's like five floors, right? Four or five floors. So we went to the stairwell and one guy would get on the other guy's back and you would run up the stairs and then run back down the stairs and then you would flip and the other guy would get on the other guy's back. I'm a lot bigger than him, so it was worse for him. Uh, and uh, we, we would do that like just as an extra workout because he needed that because he's like that laser focused. He's an undefeated state champ, so that um, comes at a cost. And uh, uh, there's, there's one morning, it's the end of our freshman year, and uh, we've been doing this thing for a while along with whatever other workout stuff. And it's, you know, six in the morning and I'm groggy and we're doing it. Um, but something like the Holy Spirit works through my haze um, and prompts me, like while we're sitting just huffing and puffing when we're down at the bottom of the stairwell there in Mohall, uh, prompts me to, to just tell him, like, Corey, dude, I love you so much. Like, you're my best friend in the world. You are incredible. I feel so lucky to have had these years with you. It was like a moment of Noah in me coming out. It hasn't happened one time since then. Uh, but I was like, I, I, I like, I love you so much and I know so much about you and you know so much about me and, uh, dude, I respect your, your dedication, your commitment, your like hunger, um, to know and to do and to, to be serious. Uh, I was like, I, I just hope, um, that you're in all of that. You're not like missing a, a, a bigger picture. And you're not down here just spinning your wheels, working so hard with this without like a larger context. I hope you're not missing the bigger picture. And I, I don't quite remember exactly what happened next. He swears, and he, he would probably know. He says that he said, oh, yeah, what's that? And I, a burgeoning theologian, a master wordsmith in all of my 603 huffing and puffing eloquence say, God. Can you believe it? Would you guys have thought of that? 
that's his story. I mean, it literally is his story, so I'll give it to him. But uh, I said God, apparently, okay? And, wh- I mean, what is that? We had that same conversation. Who knows? You know, a hundred times, whatever. He already knows. That's what I think about what's going on, the bigger picture, and uh, all of that. But there's, there's something, call it the Holy Spirit, at work in that stairwell in Mo Hall. Um, that, you know, then we just went and ate breakfast and we went and he went to practice and I went back to bed for like six hours. And uh, uh, over the next weeks, um, he kept coming back to that. And he, he told me a few weeks later, he's like, dude, I haven't been able to shake that thing that happened that you said to me in the stairs. Like, what? what? He's like, I, I think I think you're right. And he's like, you, you know that I like I, I want to know and I want to understand. And I'm always intrigued by Jesus, by by Christianity. Uh, he's like, but I, you know, I'd like, I, I'm not gonna just do it just to do it. Like, I, I want to see what's actually going on. And he's like, I, I haven't been able to shake it. It's like I'm, I'm grasped and I, I can't get away from it. I think, I think you're right. I think, I think that's it. Like, I've, I've never been angry at God. I've never needed there not to be a God. I just, you know, grew up in a world where that's not like the background knowledge. And he's like, I don't, like, what do I, what do I do now? What happens? And uh, the, the over the next uh, couple of weeks or month, um, we talked some to Joe Belzer, who was the campus minister here, because we were around CCF. Uh, he and I continued to talk. Um, and like in April of our freshman year, um, Corey was baptized out at out of Thousand Hills um, by Joe Belzer. It was incredible. Um, it was very amazing. I'd been praying for him for literally like four years, pretty much every day, praying for him for four years. And uh, um, it's it's one of the highlights of my life, and he's gone on. He married one of our other friends from here, who comes from a strong Christian family, and they've um, they're crafting a life of faithful discipleship together in Blue Springs, Missouri now, where he does computers and engineering and uh, what he you know builds stuff when he needs to build stuff, and um, has five kids, and they've adopted two kids, and they're 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 just silly, uh, uh, learning how to um, walk a, a life of faithfulness with Jesus. And uh, I don't get to see him as much as I like. I never answer my phone when he calls because I don't answer my phone. But we do get to see each other. Um, we do keep up. And um, for me, I'm 40 years old. Um, this is this is 20 years ago. Um, for me, that continues to be kind of a, a, a pillar moment for me. That's like a an, an altar in time uh, where through all of my other questions and uncertainties and what is it that you're wanting to do in me, with me, Lord, in my own family, in students here at CCF, in, in, in the world around me, um, that, that's a, a moment that, uh, that I point to that um, is not just like nostalgic for, oh, wasn't that cool, that thing you did, um, but it like, it, that comes into the present and continues to inform, oh man, like there are, there are quarries all over Truman's campus. Like there are kids who come from uh, families who just, they're not Christians. They didn't go to church, but they're not angry at God. They're not committed to, you know, they're militant atheists. And I was like, the um, it continues to inform the way that I um, think about ministry here, what's happening on campus, who are the people um, that you and I are interacting with um, all the time. And uh, <coughs> um, I, I, th- I think this. Um, there, there are two scriptures um, that... Uh, undergird this Corey story for me. Um, one of them is from 1 Corinthians, and Paul says, uh, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, how are they called? Mysteriously called, um, the voice of the Spirit in an early morning stairwell. 
Um, to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Uh, there's one other one, Matthew 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and uh, he says to them, um, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Uh, so in the first case, the word of the cross um, is, is a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, um, but it's the power and wisdom of God to those of us um, who have heard and who have believed and who are following. Uh, and the word to us as disciples is, if we want to come after Jesus, um, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. Um, which brings us to um, the title of this sermon, which is Crucifix Evangel. It's, it's the boring version is um, you got the cross because we're doing a series on the cross still and you got evangelism because evangelism is the thing that I've been wanting to think about and talk about um, and see through the light of the cross. Um, so evangelistic crucifixion, crucifixish evangelism. Um, the word of the cross, you could call it, which is a phrase that happens in that um, same chapter in 1 Corinthians 1. Um, the word of the cross, Paul says. It's folly to some, it's a stumbling block to others, um, but to those who have eyes to see, who have ears to hear, um, who have had that gospel preached to them, um, to those, it's, it's the power and it's the wisdom of God. It's the, it's the truth about things. It's the big picture. Uh, and... <coughs> Here's what I would like to say to you. Uh, evangelism, is a, it's, it's a weird word. You agree with that? Evangelism? Anybody come from uh, like a, a hardcore evangelistic kind of church background tradition? Raise them high. Be proud. I mean, you guys are the, come on. Evangel like eva evangelism is the thing, right? Like you, did you pass out tracts? How hardcore are we? Okay. In my Mohaw room, I had a stack of tracts. It was like death when you held it this way. This like scripty font. It was life. Deal. Jude found one of those. He was so angry. The fake dollar. The fake dollar bill thing. Yeah. Uh, um, so for for some of us, um, there there's this uh, baggage with. Uh, maybe it's not baggage. Maybe you're still just like gung ho there. Um, but uh, there there are weird ways that people do think about and talk about and practice evangelism, uh, and it takes on this weird like sleazy salesman bait and switch like kind of like not livable uh, uh thing like why would you ever be doing anything else aside from telling everyone that you see the second that you see them do you want to live or die do you want to go to heaven or hell then here have jesus and like why would you not and uh th like there there is um somewhere in there there's a right impulse like the the message of uh the cross the the message of jesus is one that it's, it's proclaimed. Paul says, um, we preach Christ crucified. Um, the gospel is, it's good news. It's, it's news. It needs to be told. It needs to be heard. Um, so th there's a right um, element uh, for that like urgency and that impulse to, to share the good news. Um, but for, for many of us, um, I suspect, uh, we're, we're maybe we're more familiar with the, the weird, warped ways that that has um, taken shape, those kinds of... Uh, uh, strongly evangelistic, um, kind of r reduced reductionistic approaches to uh, what what evangelism is, um, and I know for me, I've spent a lot of my life uh, feeling like I should be telling people about Jesus and feeling guilty for not doing it enough. 
but also at the same time having this like weird response to but not like that not like that like that doesn't feel right is that what you're wanting me to be or to do lord to just be kind of a caricatured like just to wind me up and let me say the message of the gospel and present to you the romans road and whatever uh and uh, uh for others of us there was only a few hands in here um for others of us um i i suspect that that maybe our problem is not that we're too zealous and when i say we i'm really excluding me because i'm firmly in the first camp recovering from being firmly in the first camp so for some of the rest of you uh, the, the problem is not the, the overzealous, like, oh my goodness, I should be talking about Jesus, but I'm not. Um, the problem I is more like, eh, eh, indifference. Uh, like, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't have any control over what these people think or like, I don't know, like, I believe in Jesus, but let's not get too crazy. I'm not wanting to be some uh, weirdo, you know, like labeled in a certain way or uh, people have the right to do whatever they want, think whatever they want. This is the truth as I think I understand it, but come on, I don't know much. And now back to Call of Duty or whatever the kids play these days. Uh, some of us, um, we actually, we need to hear that th that there is something good and right about um, that that urgent, that felt need um, to, to talk about Jesus, to point to the cross. Um, and uh, the, these particular passages... Um, I, I like because um, Paul talks about the word of the cross. The word of the cross. The cross itself is already e evangelistic. It's already um, proclaiming. And, and so um, our job is, is to point to that. Like Paul says, I don't have to come and invent all kinds of um, perfect, eloquent words to trap you into. That's another like evangelistic tack, right? Is to like construct some sort of logical syllogism they're like well uh you ever steal anything you ever lie you ever oops oh, so you're a liar so where liars go hell ha ha jesus and there, there's like a just like a weird like are you a real person i don't i don't under i don't understand this um but paul says uh when we are proclaiming the good news um when we are pointing to jesus living in jesus um we don't need perfectly honed speeches we don't need um, perfect rhetorical strategies we don't need to know the answer to every possible question so that whatever comes back at us we know we can stand firm for jesus and make sure that no one can ever have any doubt about the truth of jesus and the way of salvation um the paul says and said um the, the cross itself um it's it's the medium and the message like the thing that we are preaching that we're proclaiming is the cross here's what the truth is um god came to earth as a human and when god did that um, he was executed. Uh, but good news, good news, everybody, um, in that death comes our life. Great news. Uh, in, in surrender uh, comes victory. Um, in, in weakness comes power. And Paul talks about the, the power of the cross and the wisdom of the cross. Uh, and so uh, for us, thinking about evangelism uh, through the cross or cross-like evangelism, um, the, the method matters. Like wh what we think about how we are to communicate to other people, um, that's not incidental. Like we don't just follow the latest business strategy for here's how to increase your Instagram things, your reach. I have no idea. We don't, uh, we, we, we're, we're not, uh, we, we can't just do anything we want. Like the, the cross itself 
um, constrains us and, and shows us the way. Um, Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you want to be one of my people, um, one of my messengers in the world, um, he doesn't say study up on the latest methods so that you can be as efficient and effective as possible and know everything. Um, he says, um, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Like, if you want to follow me, follow me. Thanks, Jesus. I, th- I think I got it. <coughs> uh, but it, 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 it matters. Uh, and, and when we hear, if we're thinking evangelism, when we're hearing um, Jesus' words or Paul's words about the word of the cross, um, it's, it's instructive that uh, I think the, the bulk of the work of proclaiming and, and of being able to authentically, truly proclaim the good news um, is living it. Like, we, we live it. That's, that's why we're gathered here. That's why we're talking about spring break. That's why we're talking about small groups. That's why Keevan is trying to get you to help drive international students to Walmart yesterday. Um, it, it's why um, we are doing what we're doing gathered here together as Christ's body. Like, we, um, we, we know the truth and we understand the truth and then are able to communicate the truth to other people uh, w- winsomely, with wisdom, with humor. We're able to do that um, only when we ourselves are deeply rooted and grounded in it and growing in it and sharpening each other. And when we are doing that, uh, we will naturally also talk about it, talk in certain ways, point um, to the truth of Jesus through the cross in what we do. Uh, and so some people in, in response to the overslick, sleazy salesman, like, don't you want a Jesus thing? Uh, in response to that, they've said, uh, words don't matter. You're just going to be a hypocrite. And so all that matters is how you live. It's just your actions. Words don't matter. It's just your actions. And uh, that, that's a false dichotomy. That's an unnecessary. They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, way beyond not mutually exclusive, they are necessarily intertwined. Uh, we live what we speak, and we speak what we live. Um, out of the abundance of our heart, our, our mouth speaks. Our mouth, our mouths speak. Our collective mouth speaks. Um, the, the, they're, they're intertwined, and so there's no way um, to excuse ourselves and let ourselves off the hook uh, by saying, like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, cheesy, awkward, and so... I'll just live, and as I live, people will just automatically, like, they'll just become Christians, I guess. Uh, And and on the other hand, like, well, it doesn't matter what we do. We just got to be out there telling people the news, the message. It's just this thing they need to hear. Um, The truth is is, is that it's both. Um, Jesus uh, himself is the word. Our words participate in that word. Like, there is speech. Jesus spent a ton of time um, teaching preaching. He offended people with what he said. He comforted people with what he said. He, he read his audience. He got to know people. He had people follow him and created a little uh, community of dialogue. Um, wor- words matter, and we are to be people who are willing um, to use our mouths to, to speak to what we know, um, to be curious and open and ask questions and interact with, um, with other people, learning to see them as God sees them, uh, paying attention to like what might God be wanting to do um, here in Corey, here in, in your own roommates, here in this uh, pocket of people in my family, um, here in the music department on my sports team. Um, God, God is looking um, for us um, as we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Um, he's, he's looking for us to, to pay attention um, and to be willing um, to live into that gospel um, and, and to speak it also. Uh, my, my challenge this morning um, is, would you pay attention this semester 
uh, would you pay may- maybe extra attention? I know that many of you do this, um, but would you, would you pay extra attention to the people around you? Uh, and uh, for some of us, get rid of the Messiah complex. We're not Jesus. We're just following Jesus. Um, God didn't give it to us to save the world, make the world Christian. And um, we're pointing to a thing that God has done, and we're saying, holy cow, we've come to life in that. Uh, but w- would you pay attention um, to the people around you and, and ask God, pray for the people in your life? Thank you.